the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Think back to that period of time, mid-2020, when everyone was locked down from the pandemic and we all said, if they would just get a vaccine, I would take that vaccine. I'd take it in a heartbeat. Obviously, vaccines take some time to develop. We know we get a different flu vaccine every year. And there are trials and there are tests. Well, there is a young woman named Brianne Dressen. And she wanted to help. So she volunteered for one of the trials. She was so confident that these vaccines were going to work that she enrolled herself in a U.S. clinical trial for AstraZeneca. Remember that name, AstraZeneca? She got her first dose of the vaccine on November 4th of 2020. I'm going to read now a quick description. On the ride home from the clinic, within an hour of receiving the shot, she felt a tingling sensation down her arm. That evening, she developed blurry and double vision, and she noticed sound becoming distorted, like her ears were covered by seashells. When she woke up the next morning, her left leg was slumped and weak, causing her to stumble into the left side of doorways. She went to work at her preschool and found herself unable to function with extreme sensitivities to light and sound. And that is just the beginning of her story. So we know about Moderna, we know about Pfizer, we know a little bit about J&J. Remember, these are AstraZeneca trials as well. Where is Brianne Dressen now? How is she doing? And what's her recourse for this? I'm sure she signed an informed consent, but what did it say? And who's taking care of her now? We're going to hear from Brianne herself right after this. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Brianne, I'm so happy to have you with us, and yet this topic is really troubling to me. I, I said in the introduction that you wanted to participate in this AstraZeneca vaccine, the COVID vaccine trial, and it changed your life. I described a little bit of what I've heard about what happened to you, but why don't you tell us in your own words, you, you go and you get the shot. It's November 4th, 2020. What were the next 24 hours like? What happened? Oh, the first 24 hours were very eye-opening and also confusing. You know, I had never had any issue with any previous vaccine. 
Um, I was a lifetime vaccine taker. <laughs> I didn't think that, you know, I had any reason to suspect that the COVID vaccine would be any different. Uh, within an hour of my shot, I got tingling down the same arm as my injection. And later that night, I was watching television with my husband and um, the TV, instead of one TV, all of a sudden there were two TVs stacked. So my vision had become blurred and doubled and sound became strange. So it sounded like I had uh, seashells on my ears. That night I had a typical vaccine response. And so my typical vaccine response um, was a fever and, you know, a little bit of sweats, a little headache, you know, and by the morning that all had re resolved. Okay. And so I got up to get ready for work after, you know, and at that point I was like, okay, it definitely was the vaccine because I wasn't sure if it was the placebo or not. Oh, so, right. You, you didn't know. Right. That's right. It's a, it was a yep. double blind, right? So you didn't know if you'd gotten the placebo or the actual vaccine. Correct. Yeah. So I had no okay. idea. So at okay. that point, um, the placebo was saline. So at that point, I was like, wow, if this is saline, then this is a very strong placebo effect. <laughs> so I kind of joked a little bit about it. Um, but I got up to get ready for work and my left leg just wasn't working right. It was slumped. And so instead of just drop foot, my whole leg was just dragging. And I was walking into the left side of the doorways because of that. And I went to work and I'm a preschool teacher, at least I was. And the little kids' voices just kept getting louder and louder as the day went on. But in reality, it was actually my own sensitivity to sound had just ramped up um, to the point where by the end of the workday, I had the kids parked in front of a, uh, the TV with a learning channel. And I had the lights off in the classroom and I was holed up in another corner just waiting for the parents to come get them. That was the last day I taught. Um, I, you know, fast forward almost two years. And uh, I now have uh, non-link dependent neuropathy. I have severe postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which basically means that your, your heart and your blood vessels can't get enough blood back up to your brain, um, <laughs> which is not fun. It actually causes oh. dysfunction with almost every single organ and system in the body. Um, Short-term memory loss, tinnitus, uh, severe food sensitivities, um, as far as my symptom list now, I still have well over 20 symptoms. Um, I definitely am never going to go back to work with kids because every time I get sick, my, my symptoms get worse. So at this point, I'm trying to just make sure that uh, I can try to protect my nervous system and my, my current state as much as I can so I don't decline further. You know, it's amazing. I'm sitting here looking at you, talking to you, and anyone who would see you in this small frame would say, look at this beautiful, healthy young woman, and you're going through all this stuff that most people can't see. A lot of these are unseen injuries. Uh, and, I, and it just occurs to me, too, not only have you had this health stuff to deal with, you can't do your job. You had to leave your job, which I'm sure you love being a preschool teacher. I mean, what is it? been like to to not be able to do that anymore well it's a little bit of a, a double whammy here because the business i owned the i own the business it's actually still running under other teachers but i own the business like i put my heart and soul into developing the brand and and the, everything with it um and i took a lot of pride into focusing on those kids that really struggle in schools i took pride in making sure that no child was left behind. You know, I wanted to make sure that the kids, once they did get into elementary school, they could function. Um, and so I felt like I had, I had developed something where I could really make a difference in the world. 
Um, but now I can't, I can't do that. I still own the business. I still go and monitor the teachers and see them working. Um, but really I'm just keeping it open until they decide that they're done. Um, but it is, so it's heartbreaking because I see, I see my business. I still see the potential, um, with what we created, uh, through, through what we needed and what we knew kids needed. Um, so there definitely is a hole there, you know, to just have to be reminded all the time that, you know, it's, it's something I can't go back to. Uh, So, so all of this is going on the medical stuff in that first 24 hours. And at what point did you say to yourself, I've got to get some help and, and, and I've got to find out where to get that help. What, what happened? So for the first two and a half, three months, I felt like I was dying, right? Um, I was being electrocuted 24 seven, I had severe tachycardia. So my heart rate was all the way up to 180, 220. Oh, my gosh, people need to understand Um, that that is really, really high. That's yeah, that's ER level. That's ER level. That's like when that's like you're at a dead sprint for a maybe several minutes and you're oh my goodness okay go yeah, ahead and that was happening when i was in bed just laying there <laughs> i was isolated from my family um because my kids little voices was too painful for my ears for i want to say two and a half solid months so i had earplugs in and earmuffs on darkest sunglasses i could find and everywhere i went that was my mo um my body you know i couldn't sleep i couldn't eat the only thing i could control was my breathing so i just remember waking up every morning being electrocuted, that's the first sensation I feel still to this day. I feel an electrical surging sensation. That's what I wake up to every morning. Um, and so that was hard to figure out how to exist like this, you know, where your body's attacking itself 24 seven. There's no, there's no um, middle ground with that. And, you, and as you're going through this, are you saying to yourself, I know this is the vaccine that did this to me? Yeah, without question, just because the sensations and what was happening in my body was so alien compared to anything else I had experienced with previous diseases or anything else. Um, and the the test clinic believed me. Uh, they tried repeatedly to get through to AstraZeneca to get AstraZeneca to address this. And AstraZeneca did not. They completely, they did not connect with me until we got news involved uh, a year ago. That was the first time that AstraZeneca actually directly connected with me. Um, And they still have not paid a dime. Well, actually, they did. And I'll tell you why. A news station called them to ask for a statement. And they called me and said, hey, news is asking us for information. So we're going to wire $590 to your account. So at this point, I had been uh, my total... Uh, expenses for my medical bills. Uh, we were sitting at about 60,000 out of pocket. Um, the total for me now, uh, for my, through my insurance is sitting about three and a half million. Oh my God. (laughs) You know, we had to refinance our house to make sure that we could pay off the medical expenses. The drug company who in a contract black and white said that they would take care of us financially if there was something to go wrong not, not helpful whatsoever. There was no follow up. There has been, it's been very fragmented. um, And it's not what I signed up for. It's not what I expected to happen if something were to go wrong. Um, I trusted the drug company. Yeah, I trusted the government. Uh (laughs) (laughs) We're learning a lot, aren't we? Um, You know, when you there's an informed consent that you go through, right? Just before you you enter the trial or as you're entering the trial, does someone sit with you and tell you what to expect and 
whose responsibility lies where? What what is that process? What what did you go it's through very there? Thorough. Okay. It's very thorough. The the medical history is hours long, so they know everything that has ever happened to you in your life before they approve you to participate. Okay. Um, they verify uh, many different formats that you have never had COVID before they enroll you. And then on top of that, they sit down with you for a solid 30, 35 minutes and go through every single page on the informed consent document. They sign and they date it. And then we sign and we date it. They actually... Um, coerced me to have to sign a follow-up document after I was sick and they wouldn't explain what the changes were. I couldn't even see the page because my vision was so blurred and double. And I just remember sitting there crying, just asking them to help me. And they said, we can't do anything for you until you sign this document. So I did this little squiggly thing. They took some tests and that's it. There was no help given. There was no follow-up provided. Um, it sounds like the test clinic was very disappointed in how AstraZeneca managed the situation. Uh, we've inquired with the FDA if a complaint was filed on my behalf. And of course, the FDA, because of their lack of transparency, which is in conflict with what their mission actually is, uh, they said that they cannot disclose if a complaint has been filed. They cannot disclose the status of a complaint if they do follow up with a complaint. So it's basically a dead end. You report your issues to the FDA and they go into a black hole for, you know, you have to order a foyer basically to get anything out of them. You know, I think one of the most disheartening things about your story is that you went into it in good faith and trusting the testing site, AstraZeneca, and as you said, the government to do the right things. And if there's anything we're learning from all of this, it's that very few people were worth our trust and that a lot of doors were closed. A lot of questions were unanswered. A lot of things were stifled and here we are and here you are. So quick, quick 60 second break. And we've got Brianne Dressen with us and she's telling us her story about the AstraZeneca trial and how it completely altered her life, what she's doing now, where she goes from, from here and how many others she's met just like her. Stay with us. Have you been watching the stock market? I'm sorry for the pain in your neck and your eyes and your shoulders if you've been trying to follow it. It's it's like a some sort of bizarre video game or some sort of tennis match that uh, it's up and down. Let's put it that way. We've still got the gas prices and now they're ticking up, right? We had them come down a little bit. They're ticking back up. We've got still more insecurity between Russia and Ukraine. Now we have missiles being fired by North Korea over Japan. And the elections are coming up. So the bottom line is there's instability everywhere and it's hard to know what your retirement's going to look like. So put some some a little bit more certainty in your retirement. Make a long-term play with gold or silver and I'm going to recommend you call my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. They are the folks that I deal with when buying gold and silver, and you can find them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. Now, think back to 2008. Those who invested in gold saw huge gains. Others lost their retirements, and some are predicting that right now is going to look a little bit like 2008, maybe worse, heaven forbid. 
but Legacy Precious Metals can help talk to you about your options for putting gold and silver in your IRA, your 401k, et cetera. Give them a call. They'll answer all your questions. I'm going to give you the number. So grab a pen or pencil, 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903. Just speak to one of their experts. Or you can also download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. So, Brian, <laughs> the amount of money you've had to spend on medical is astonishing. The fact that you can't get a response from the FDA is frustrating, almost outrageous. And that AstraZeneca has given you five hundred ninety dollars. Is that is that the sum total so far? Correct. Yes, and they they actually wired it to my account without my consent. So I asked them to go back and review my medical expenses, and they didn't. So, <laughs> and then we didn't hear from them until another reporter hit them up asking for a statement, and then they offered me a settlement offer of twelve hundred forty three dollars or something like that. Is, and uh, do, do they know how much you're out? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They knew they knew I almost died. They knew all of it. Uh, we, we were very, you know, it was, we thought that they would want the data. So I logged the time everything, you know, started, I let them know exactly when I was going into the ER when I was going to the hospitals and all that. And that information, I looked at the report for AstraZeneca COVID vaccine in the uh, New England Journal of Medicine publication. And I can't figure out where I am because it just sounds like a marketing piece. It's the vaccines are safe and effective. They're 95%, yeah. you know, this and that. And anyway, so there's a lot of issues there that definitely need to be addressed. There's conflict of interest that I've learned um, through the clinical trial process in general. There's a lot more oversight and influence that the drug companies can have on that process than should be permitted. Um, and just like every, all the other government programs that are set to identify issues, if, if there are issues with drugs, there's, there's holes with all of the programs. Um, we're learning just how much of these policies that the government has in place are actually just smoke and mirrors so they can sell, you know, reassurance and security to the American public. When in reality, if something were to happen to you, you're, that's it. You are on your own. That's how you feel so, right now? Oh, 100%. And had I not had a front row seat to the nightmare, I probably would still be, you know, on the other side of the fence. But after being to the NIH in person for research in this area, while the rest of the country was being mandated, um, with all the games that went on there, the lack of transparency with the NIH and the research that they have and continue to conduct on this topic, uh, the lack, lack of transparency on the side of the FDA, uh, the meetings and the emails that we have had with the head of the FDA, Janet Woodcock, Peter Marks, who's the head of biologics, for a year and a half, um, it's smoke and mirrors. It's smoke and mirrors. Um, there's one thing that I really hope comes out of this in the end is that we can look back on this and figure out how we can make sure that this does not happen again. How old are your children? My children now are eight and 10. Would you vaccinate were... them with any vaccine? Have you? So yeah, they were, they were, you know, totally up on their shots until this happened. But now seeing just how poorly um, 
things are managed, you know, on, on the government level, if things were to go wrong, I definitely am going to question which ones they're going to get. The NIH definitely has recommended to me that I do not get them uh, vaccinated by the COVID vaccine, bar none. They said that's a hard pass. Um, and with the information that we've been able to gather through react19.org, uh, there's definitely some people that have a genetic component. So we have a lot of injured kids with injured moms, um, which is really, really tragic um, oh, it's, to see. It, it's awful. Your story's tragic. I mean, this is, this is, this is awful. Let's, let's, you mentioned the organization, react19.org. How did you get involved with this group? So React 19 was, it's been launched for about a year now. Um, Ken Rutgers, who's a, uh, a NFL Hall of Famer for the Packers, mm-hmm. his wife was injured by her COVID vaccine. She teamed up with us very early on. So I want to say I met her in March of 2021, April of 2021. And how do you meet these people? Is this online? Are you doing Facebook searches? How are you meeting these, these other injured at the beginning, it was really like it was a small email group between me and Cheryl Records and Denise Hertz, an injured physician, Christy Dobbs. Um, and from there, it just it exploded over the next several months, too. So we went from two or three, five people. And within two months, we had thousands. Um, so by May, we realized that May of 2021, um, we realized that this was a not just a rare incident. You know, we weren't just rare this was definitely much more systemic than what the public has been led to believe. And that's when we decide we need to take action. So Ken Rutgers and I and Cheryl and Christy and Denise, we started pushing really hard with the heads of the agencies. Um, We started reaching out to senators and representatives at the media. As you know, not very many media personnel picked it up. No surprise there. Uh, but it was for me at the time. I was like, I don't understand. I yeah. don't understand for a long time. It's like, well, I don't get it. And uh, then after seeing what the NIH did to us, and then at now with what the FDA has done, it's it's pretty obvious that what's what has been happening and what will continue to happen, without question, is intentional. All right. You mentioned that you went to the NIH for some research. How did the ball get rolling there? What who who made that? connection for you? How did that come to pass? My husband's a PhD chemist. And so as soon as I got sick, he got to work trying to figure out what was wrong with me, right? Because nobody had any answers and AstraZeneca definitely wasn't helping. So he took matters into his own hands. He reported my injury to the federal government. Um, He reported my injury to all kinds of scientists across the globe. Uh, my blood as early as December of 2020 went all over the globe. We flew it to Germany. We flew it to a c- couple of other places and they found many things that were concerning, uh, including anti-neuronal autoantibodies. So my immune system was attacking my neurons. Um, of course, my doctors here didn't know what to do with that information. So they just, you know, kept me with my anxiety diagnosis. The NIH, uh, after catching so me with the situation. On. Hold on. Your, your doctors see this blood. They don't know what to do. And they say it's anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. So I was one of the many who was misdiagnosed with anxiety. So my legs were not working. And I was incontinent. And I was in the hospital. And I left with in-home uh, intensive physical and occupational therapy for a diagnosis of anxiety due to the COVID vaccine. So I rehab anxiety. my legs here at home in my house. 
with my therapist because of anxiety. So that's why the NIH initially, they didn't know how big this problem was at the time. So they launched a study and that was in June of 2021. So right at the very beginning. Um, so they knew at a very intimate level what was going on with everybody very early on. Um, we referred thousands of patients to them. Uh, they had the opportunity to do a proper study very early on to see just what was going on. Um, they swore us to secrecy. They were like, look, just let the data speak for itself. And keep quiet. So we did uh, with the promise that they would publish and, and that would then, you know, allow everybody else to get medical care. As we all know, that didn't happen. Um, so it, that was just one of many substantial promises that were left, you know, empty. And it's been, it's been tragic to look at these guys in the eyes. They're telling us these things face-to-face, -face, um, making promises to get to the bottom of this, disclose this information to the medical community, and then nothing happens. And it's just, just crickets, silence. Yes. What What does your gut tell you about that? What, why they don't want to dig deeper, pursue this, come up with conclusions or answers? I'm not entirely sure. Um, I have my own opinions, obviously, on that. But if I were to give them the, the benefit of the doubt, so the best case scenario in this yeah. situation, really, um, it could come down to the NIH was on this hot and heavy they wanted to do the right thing. And then once somebody else somewhere found out what was going on, it was like a light switch. So somebody's got a noose on those researchers because um, now they're they're silent on the issue, right? That's um, terrifying. <laughs> so who's, yeah, so who has, who has those puppet strings is what I want to know. I am not sure what's going on at the FDA if it really is because they are understaffed, underpaid, and overwhelmed with a severely broken, inadequate VAERS system that is failing the, the FDA, it's failing the public. Uh, the FDA, Peter Marks has, has let me know several times that there's issues with the FDA on their, or with the VAERS system on their side. So it's And no remind secret, people what the VAERS system is. VAERS stands for Vaccine... Adverse Events Reporting System. Oh, and so okay. it's, it's the only tracking system for adverse events for the COVID vaccines here in the United States. Um, there are diagnosis codes that uh, are used in other countries. The WHO has established them. That's another way that the information can be tracked and evaluated. And that honestly would be something that the U.S. should be implementing because that's how they've been able to identify all of these issues in Germany. And Germany has established funding, um, peer-reviewed publications coming out of Germany. They even have a post-COVID vaccine care clinic set up. Um, so the U.S. is not leading the way on transparency uh, in the science. And, you know, it's a disappointment. It, it, uh, to say the least, to say the least. Um, now, I know that Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin has been an advocate for, for the group. Uh, and what's what's the latest... You guys have been to D.C. I've talked to a few of you on this podcast. You've been to D.C. You've sat and looked at a bipartisan group of people representing Americans. What's the reaction been? Where do you think things stand right now in terms of the way that the federal government 
is looking at you and the thousands of others whose lives have been completely altered by this vaccine? It's it's been I'm encouraged uh, because a year ago we had two senators talking to us. Right. We had Senator Johnson and we had Senator Mike Lee from Utah. Um, as of right now, we have 40, close to 40 elected representatives in the House and Senate. Uh, is it is it bipartisan? Is it some from a, each side? Yeah, it's an even split right now between Democrats and Republicans. Um, it was pretty interesting going into these meetings because it, it did seem like there was a lot of preconceived notions already with these offices of who the COVID vaccine injured were, right? Because everyone, because of the marketing and everything else and the propaganda that's gone on, we've been painted as villains, as inflammatory, crazy people, tinfoil hat, you know, anti-vaxxers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all of the, you know, inflammatory labels they've slapped on us, right? So I think it was a really, really good opportunity to sit across the table from these guys and, and women and, you know, for them to see that this is a real issue. This is a human issue. Uh, for us, this is not political. We have Democrats, Republicans, independents, you know, everybody on the spectrum politically. Um, and let's be honest, a pharmaceutical product, every pharmaceutical product is going to have side effects. So it's incredibly naive for us to believe in any way, shape, or form that a brand new technology that has been proven to fail in previous clinical trials for cancer treatments and other things is somehow magically going to be safer than Tylenol. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we just had to kind of point that out to them here and there. We do have a lot of them on board to help us with the compensation issues um, because nobody in the U.S. is allowed to sue. You are not allowed to hold anyone accountable because of the PrEP Act and as well as previous vaccine law that's been implemented. And, uh, and you're at the mercy of the federal government to help you and support you. So the Democrats definitely with that one, they're like, that's a problem. That's not how it should be. And so right. Right. they're working towards that. Uh, but by and large, nobody still there. It's a very touchy subject. Nobody wants to be the Ron Johnson that just stands out there on their own and you know, get slaughtered. So I, I, I'm grateful to him for for not apologizing for this, for understanding. And, you know, I know that, you know, here where I live in the Midwest in Minnesota, I went to a very small meeting and met three or four vaccine injured. Um, I was blown away. I was blown away. I didn't know what to expect when I walked in there. I was invited because I have this platform and would I meet some people and I was blown away. And I thought this can't, this can't stand. This can't, you know, yeah, there are going to be risks when you, when you go into a trial and you, or even if you just get the vaccine after it's been approved, I don't know what's, I don't know what's worse. Um, did the AstraZeneca, that vaccine never, never went to market. Is that right? Here in the U.S., correct. So we reported my injury the first part of January and 10 days later, it was pulled from the running. Unbelievable. So, Unbelievable. Um, so you can't have been the only one, can you? No, I know for sure there was at least one other woman that had my exact same constellation of symptoms timing all the way down to our kidney infection, which is why the NIH listened, because we both reached out to them together and said, hey, AstraZeneca is probably feeding you guys a line. <laughs> and so... Yeah. So then they went back and looked at it and, and they pulled AstraZeneca from the running. They also have done a really good job with um, um, pulling J&J &J 
and making mm-hmm. sure that J&J, you know, that's full disclosure, right? Uh, but the same issues that we see with J&J, uh, we're seeing it with Moderna. We're seeing it with Pfizer. Um, mm-hmm. We get asked all the time through React 19 if uh, there's one vaccine that's less risky than the other. And there's really not. The COVID vaccines, by and large, statistically, the risk profile is unlike any other vaccine that's been implemented here in the U.S. to date. Um, so and, there's and no... I, I can't help but think that, that, that the reason for that is that, you know, everyone was in such a rush. You know, it, it, we were all panicking we wanted this vaccine and they just moved it, moved it, moved it and didn't, did, weren't as deliberate. And again, it's a, the emergency use authorization for some of these. So, I, I mean, is that a fair, a logical conclusion that it was just this race to, and, and by the way, a very profitable win if you, if you got there first? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, they've made boatloads and then the federal agencies, they paid boatloads more in of tax dollar money to promote these on, you know, even all the way down to, they gave what, two point something million dollars to the NFL to promote the vaccines. Um, your taxpayer dollars, it wasn't even pharma that had to do that. Our own taxpayer dollars went to make sure that we were reassured that this was a good product and we all needed to participate in the uptake. And those of us that experienced harm, it didn't matter how hard we cried out for help. Uh, we were silenced every avenue by politicians, by the media, um, by the drug companies, by our peers, by big tech. And the sad reality is it literally has killed people. Um, and I know those people. I know their families. I know their names. Um, and I want to make sure that at the end of the day, that this kind of disaster, this kind of nightmare does not happen. Because right now there's a lot of people hiding um, in the shadows across the country here after being silenced and abused and marginalized for over a year now, uh, who deserve far better than what they have received. These are, you know, everyday people. These are moms, these are dads, these are coworkers that you have and that you have loved and trusted were totally honest people. I will raise my arm to the square any day of the week. Um, I have documents to corroborate every every single interaction we've had. Um, the NIH, we've got all of our records from there. So we are the walking evidence. We are the living and breathing evidence that there is something catastrophically going wrong with uh, the management of the COVID vaccines. Um, and you know, the, the FDA knows this, the, the NIH, they know this, they know all of this. Um, we know that they can manage pandemics better because they actually did a way better job with addressing COVID and long haulers. So we know that they are capable of so much more than uh, what they have, have done for the COVID vaccine adverse events. Um, so that right there makes me wonder what really is the the motive behind it is mm-hmm. it because they're just they realized that they were lied to by the drug companies all along and now they're just going to look stupid so now it's a damage control campaign what really is the motive at this point i i do suspect there's money involved lots of it <laughs> you think you know and and it's it's the, the reason we need to keep this in the, in the light of day is because so often these things happen. Mistakes get made. Crises occur. Someone does something wrong. And with the passage of time, we sort of let it go. 
that's not right. For all of you people who are suffering, we can't let this go. We have to have some, you guys have to be taken care of. Um, before I let you go, I could talk to you for another hour. How are you doing right now? How are you faring? So I got a new diagnosis that basically says that anytime I get sick, my immune system attacks my nerves. And so my health is not looking the best, <laughs> but at the same point, um, I have to do everything I can to at least keep myself together enough to run React 19. Um, there's, I have 20,000 people there that are injured. So I have 20,000 reasons that I have to keep, you know, above ground that I have to keep going. Uh, so, you know, people can't choose whether or not they're sick. We can't. Um, we can choose what we accept and what we cannot accept. Um, and we also can choose what our, what our uh, response to the situation is going to be. And for me, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that these people are heard, they're seen, they're believed, and that they're helped, that they get the medical care they need, that they get the compassion that they need. Um, because we're on a literal life-saving mission at this point. Brianna, I hope you'll stay in touch with us because I'd, I'd love to interview other people who have gone through these experiences. We need to expose this to the public. We need people to see what is what has happened. And by the way, if anyone watching or listening knows anyone who thinks they are vaccine injured, they should go to react19.org, right? And, and find some resources. Yeah. Yeah. We have a advocacy network set up. So if people don't even know where to begin with their illness, we connect yeah. them with a fellow injured medical professional that can help them. Uh, we have a financial program um, for those that are in financial need who cannot pay for their medical expenses to get better. And we also have a research program we're launching. We're 100% volunteer. Nobody's making any money off of this. Uh, we just want people to get better and to heal. Yeah. So I, I hope then people can also go to react19.org and donate if they choose. Yeah. If you go to react19.org slash donate, you can Venmo. There's a text to give number. Uh, and there's also a program through Amazon Smile that's set up. So there is that. Oh, I, um, you've left me inspired because you are incredibly strong. And you've got these other little, little people in your life that need you too, your kids. And it's got to be such a challenge for you and your husband to juggle all of that while you're not feeling well. And I, I can't, I just, I, my heart goes out to you, but I am so inspired by your courage and your, your willingness to continue this fight. And I'm, I'm just, I'm going to continue to stay in touch with you because I, I think this is this is just a big, bad mess that probably could have been at least minimized. And uh, Brianne, just be all the best to you. Continued success with this organization. Know that we're behind you. We're, we're with you. And whatever we can do to help, we're going to do that. All right. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, uh, We appreciate you. That is Brianne Dressen. This has been Sideline Sanity. Uh, be brave like Brianne and do good like Brianne. And Check out react19.org and see if you know someone who might need their help or if you can chip in a few bucks to help them. Thanks, everyone. 
Well, Sideline Sanity, we are very proud to be sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals, and we're joined by Charles Thorngren, the CEO of Legacy Precious Metals. Charles, we are hearing now that this is not transitional inflation. This is not a bump in the road. This inflation is going to be here a while. What, what, does that, what does that tell you? You know, that's the scary thing. Um, I think, you know, economies and, and, and such like that, they can deal with small jars. We have a, a unique situation. We had a Fed that waited much too long to react to the situation, calling inflation transitory for a year when everyone knew it wasn't. But more importantly than that, coming out now saying this is going to be here. This is long term. This is not short term. We're going to have elevated rates for the long term. And why that gets really scary is that means the cost of doing business is going to be elevated for years, which means the cost of goods are going to be elevated for years, which means if companies can't make enough money, they will go out of business. This is why we, we hear some of your bigger companies are already talking about layoffs. So it's a unique situation. The Fed found themselves in a very bad place. And they reacted way too slow. And this is why we're at where we're at. So if I'm an investor, then what's why do I want gold and silver in my portfolio? What what will that do for me? You know, that, that's a great question. And that's a question we get a lot. And and really what gold and silver do, um, they act as the hedge against the dollar weakness. They act as a hedge against the other markets. And we know that the Dow and, and all of your markets, all your indices are, are, are pulling back, right? That's not the issue. It's not what's already happened. It's what's yet to come. And that's where we, we need to prepare. So depending on who you listen to and, and the research that you do, you know, there are case studies are saying expect to see another 25, 20 to 25% pullback in your equities markets based on interest rates and loans and, and the bond markets they're suffering as well. No one's going out to buy bonds knowing that they're going to be um, an increased return on them in three months. It makes no sense. So that leaves you in a position of what to do with your money and how to protect yourself. This is where gold and silver come in. This is why we say this is a long-term play. You buy it, you forget about it, let it do its, its job. And its job is to go up over time as the dollar gets weaker, as the purchasing power gets less, gold and silver increase. It protects that purchasing power. And that's the great thing about it. And there's your bottom line and why you need to call Legacy Precious Metals or go download their investor's guide at LegacyPreciousMetals.com. Charles, it's always good to talk to you because these are nerve wracking times for people. You know, it, it's just the fact of the matter is, as we were told by the, the Fed chair, there's going to be some pain. So if people know that they've got something solid sitting in their investment portfolio, I think they're going to feel a little bit better, right? Absolutely. And we, you know, when we look at the actions that have happened just recently, I mean, the Fed has taken a very unique stance and they've done something very um, extraordinary. Three quarters of a basis points raises months in a row. That's one of the largest raises you've ever seen in the Fed through the history of the Fed. And it's not just once. One time is shocking. Here we are on the third month now, and we'll probably do another half a, half a basis point next month. 
or, or later this month, possibly even three quarters of a point. So when you look at that and you say that number is going to grow to where the Fed interest rates will be about 5%, unheard of. That means the interest rate to you and I, if that's what banks pay to borrow money, we're going to see, you know, credit cards will probably be over 28, 30% again. You're going to see home loans coming in 9, 10, possibly even 11%. And it's, it's a scary time. And this is why we say, okay, know this coming. Don't be afraid. You, you now are aware. So now you can protect yourself. And that's what we help people do. Don't be afraid. Prepare. Just prepare yourself. And like I say every day, I trust Legacy Precious Metals when it comes to investing in gold and silver. So go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Charles and his group can answer any and all of your questions. Charles, thank you so much. My pleasure as always. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.